the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. One of the great like richness in my life is the people I've met, the contacts, the, the community um, that I have and getting to know people, their families, their kids, their struggles, helping them. Um, you know, that that is something that when it's all said and done, it's like I will look back on and just be like, that is one of the greatest accumulations of wealth in my entire life. And I, I encourage anybody out there to go out there um, and, and build it. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. You're back on Maximum Liar Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, we got a crazy show today. Yeah, I, this is the first episode we've had with a shirtless person, so this, this, we know this is a Maximum Lawyer first. Why don't you introduce our guest, Mr. Tyson? Oh, I'm not doing full bios, okay? So, But we do have, I'm going to go from left to right on my screen, even though he's the last one to join us. Wild Bill Umansky, Dollar Bill, he's on here. we got Ryan McKean and Jay Ruane, three of the authors of Tiger Tactics. Uh, this is pretty excited, it's exciting for me. Um, I'm friends with all three of them, and so pretty excited. I don't know if you've noticed in the background, Ryan McKean has like 20 books positioned strategically, so you can see him. So um, it's pretty exciting. So, Bill, how did the idea of Tiger Tactics even come about, and how did you get involved in it? You know, that's a great question to ask uh, Jay and Ryan. Those guys are the guys that created it, along with uh, Billy, and I think I was a uh, an add-along for them, kind of like a last-minute filler. All right. Well, then let's hear from Ryan. Ryan, give us the lowdown on how this all got started. It started really at, at, at um, Jay, uh, Billy, and I were members at the Rosen Institute with Lee Rosen. And uh, because we were frequent posters, uh, Lee kind of corralled us and put us in our own little mini mastermind um, because we'd go nonstop uh, talking about law practice. Um, and so literally one Saturday morning, um, in July of uh, 2017, you know, we started talking. We we're like, you know what? We should. We were all talking about these things. We should turn it into a book. Um, and um, from there, uh, Jay and Billy and I just kind of kind of ran with it. Uh, literally, I think that morning, Jay had uh, rolled out a marketing campaign uh, before before we had the book. We had picked the name uh, Tiger Tactics that morning. You know, our our vision for it was that we would have stories from different authors from around the country about um, about 
their practice and about law practice and talk in a way that was honest and authentic. We added Bill Umansky and uh, Teresa DeGray to the project, and um, we worked on it for probably about uh, almost 20 months ago. So uh, let me let me start by saying thanks for the invite. Really appreciate you you invited me to author the book. Appreciate it. Uh, but Jay, <laughs> I'm gonna ask Jay, um, what is your favorite chapter and why? I've lived with this book now for for two years, and it's to me, it's sort of like uh, a CD that you get from like one of your favorite artists, right? You, you, the new CD comes out, the new album comes out. You put it on, you listen to it straight through, and you love a song. And then you play the, that song to death, usually. And then a couple of months in, you're listening to the whole CD, and another song sort of takes over uh, and, and becomes your new favorite song. Uh, at least that's how it is for me. And I could listen to the same album for a year and wind up with five, six, seven different favorite songs. Um, so for me, working through these uh, these chapters, each one of them has sort of been my favorite at one point or another. I've gotten each one of them through the editing process and through the development process uh, to focus on each one individually. Um, I really do like the idea, uh, the, the the chapter on balance, uh, because it's something that I struggle with, and I know a lot of other lawyers struggle with balance as well. Uh, and so I have read that one multiple times. It, it, balance and vision, really, uh, I, I would say, are my two favorite chapters, because in the last sort of Four years, I've been struggling myself with developing my practice, deciding where to go, and and I'll be the first to admit I sort of had like a a mid career crisis uh, in the last three years, and I've worked through that, and I've sort of really come back to my love criminal defense work and 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 and, and organizing my practice around that, and, and not taking on all these divergent areas through partnerships with guys like Ryan, finding some other local lawyers. Um, that's really been the stuff that that has brought me back to uh, the book multiple times so that I can get the most out of it. So I'd say balance and vision has really helped me personally as I develop those chapters um, over the last two years. So those would be my my favorites. So, Jimmy, before you jump in, I just want anyone that has the book, if anyone wants to see what uh, Jay thought his perfect day looked like, go to 289. It uh, cracks me up. So, um, Jimmy. Well, isn't it, so, if you would write out your perfect day, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's ice cream it's and sex. I mean, ice cream and sex. My wife is is embarrassed that I would put that in print. I actually gave a presentation on that to the National College for DUI Defense a number of years ago down at Walt Disney World, uh, and I got great reviews. And a couple people blasted me for talking about my sex life uh, in a presentation, but I loved how in chapter one, everybody talked about how they came up with their vision for their firms. And some people were very methodical. Some people were relying on law books and Bill, Bill went out on a all night bender. Bill, tell, tell us a little bit that story about how you came up with your vision for where you wanted to be with your firm. Yeah. You know, vision to me, that's my favorite uh, thing in the book because without vision, you know, I don't think any of us, you know, wants to wake up in the morning and do this shit, right? Running a firm, it's kind of difficult. So, you know, mine was was based on a book. I went to uh, an e-myth uh, seminar out in California, and I didn't do the homework. I wasn't, I didn't pay attention. I'd spent a lot of money. I think I was just looking for a free trip out to California that I was paying for, but basically some time away. And I didn't do any of the shit that was there. 
and the guy that was running the uh, the the guru that was running it was you know he just he called me out in front of all these business people and basically was like look Umansky you're here you paid to be here you're not going to get anything out of this unless you do the homework so you know instead of networking with the group that night I he told me just to you know think about your vision for your business you know you read the book about E Myth you want to be an entrepreneur you know live large go out and do something that's going to energize you have some fun and uh, make you actually think about the business. And that's what happened that night. I mean, as in the book, I got a limo and I don't want to go into the whole story. It's in the book, but I went out, I danced, I had steak, I had wine. Uh, I started writing my vision on cocktail napkins. And I mean, it was a beautiful ending to a perfect night overlooking San Francisco and Sausalito Bay. And I finished what was uh, still very much part of the plan now. It's called my strategic objective, but it's my vision and my objective. And it really all started because I was a failure at a mastermind group and hadn't done my homework. But without vision, I, I would, you know, there is nothing without vision. So I'm kind of curious, just logistically getting, I mean, you all are some pretty high level attorneys, right? I mean, you all aren't some schmucks that, that Ryan found off the street. I mean, you all are all legit lawyers. So how were you able to logistically organize this and get everyone together? on the same page and, and writing this thing. And whoever wants to answer that can. I mean, it, it was, the answer is it was, it was hard. Um, but what we did is once we had the authors in place, once we, we went through several, and honestly, this was before we even knew of Maximum Lawyers. It feels like an eternity ago for, for, for me and I'm sure for uh, my co-authors. Um, but what we did is it, once we had Billy, Jay and I, um, you know, it was just once we had Bill, it was when then we added Teresa. I think the hardest thing was finding the author, and then we just all committed to trying to do 1500 words a week on a specific topic. And we wrote out the 10 topics that we uh what we wanted to write about. Um, and so that part of it probably came together pretty quick. That part probably came together in uh about February of 2018, and then uh, my wife Allison, you know wrote some of the intros to the chapters, trying to make it flow a little bit, as opposed to trying to just be uh, five different essays. Um, we got it out to various editors, rewrote it. Um, so I, I think that the, the, the biggest challenge was actually finding lawyers who, who would follow through with the content. Jay, were there issues that you guys disagreed on? Were there any hot, hot and heavy discussions about you know, wrong approaches or, or differences of opinion? No, you know, that's actually one of the interesting things is that I think because we all come from um, different practice areas and recognize that what works for me may not work for Bill or Billy or Ryan or Teresa, everybody can sort of um, share their own story in their own way. Um, but if something works for you, great. If it doesn't work for me, okay. So we learn and we adapt and we move on. Uh, you know, there. As I, I I learned a lot about everyone I wrote with as I was reading their stories because that was a wonderful thing. We were delivering the topics on a weekly basis, um, and so I had become friendly with 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 Bill down in Florida, you know, and 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 developed a great relationship with him, and and actually said to Ryan, "Just wait till you meet Bill, you're gonna love him," type of thing. Um, but when when we did this, I got to know more about Bill through reading what he wrote. I got to know more about Ryan through reading what he wrote. And Ryan and I 
have developed a great friendship. I think writing this book together helped us get even further along in the friendship as a result. What works for him in his practice hasn't necessarily worked for me, uh, but we take the great things that we find, tweak it, and, and, and basically use each other as a springboard to success. And I think that's been a, a wonderful byproduct of working on this book together. Yeah, and I think Jay's right. The goal, the goal was never to establish consensus. Um, the goal was not to establish a how-to manual. The goal was to really, you know, turn the mirror in on ourselves. And we tried to write very hard about things that hurt um, and the lessons that we learned from those things. Um, so hopefully, you know, readers start, um, you know, reading and identifying maybe with parts of our story, or parts of or parts of my story, or parts of Billy's story, um, and maybe that connects with them. Um, and so that was uh, sort of the market need that we that we tried to fill. There's a lot of sort of, you know, step by step, you know, here's how you open a law firm and here's how you, you know, here's what you do, the sort of Jay Foonberg model. But we we decided uh, strongly to go with a story model. And I think difference um, was 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 part of the goal. We never debated or talked amongst ourselves really about what we wanted any specific chapter to be. We just did it. Um, independently, and then try to, uh, you know, create some sort of fluid overlay with some some editing. But I'm curious, though, now that you've looked back, you've got the hard copy of it in your hands, is there anything you you wish you would have put in there that you didn't put in there? And this is for both of you. So um, is there anything that you feel like you left out that maybe you should have added? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, what, what happened uh, in this book, there's, there's a lot. Um, and, and what happens in this book is... My life really changes almost like the minute I stop writing this book. Um, we, I literally, in, when I'm writing this book, go from me and a part-time employee at nine hours a week um, to now, I mean, a growing firm of eight people. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of development that sort of happens in my life. Um, but what I decided to do was, was and I, you know, resist the impulse to go back and rewrite because I hope that, you know, maybe that part of my life or those chapters in my life can connect with people. So I think that there's a, there's a lot of things that I, you know, that I had wished that there's a lot of things if I wrote it now would be very different. Um, I hope that sort of my story at that phase, you know, may be relatable to a lot of people out there who are, you know, wondering, does the stuff I listen to on the Maximum Lawyer podcast work? Uh, you know, does the, does all the different things that we all talk about work? Um, and, um, you know, it's sort of right before I think uh, I, I hit my stride. I can, I can answer that. You know, I, I think writing this book for me was was a bit of a cathartic moment. And it's really only after it's been published and, and, and people have been giving me some feedback and speaking with other people, uh, my co-authors and the like. It really was a cathartic experience for me and that I was able to sort of get out a lot of things um, that had been deep inside me over the first 20 years of my practice. Uh, and I think it really set me up to sort of go into the second half of my career with a renewed focus, sort of giving me some vim and vigor of, of, of a young lawyer, because I've been able to say, I definitely don't want to do these things. And I want a laser-like focus onto, onto what I love and what I like to do and the things that matter to me. And by writing each chapter and, and sort of working through it, I've been able to say, okay, where are the things what, in each chapter? What has been successful for me? Uh, and it's already always been the stuff that I find passion in, uh, and it's not stuff that I was doing, you know, necessarily for money. I was looking to capitalize on something just for money 
it kind of never went anywhere. Um, and, and and being able to take a step back and 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 see that it's not that I was nef- necessarily in a in a different place than where I was, but it's been able to give me some perspective on my practice as a whole. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily missing. I think it's going to be in Tiger Tactics Book Two, where we can talk about how our lives have changed and what really writing this book has given us as a uh, as a perspective uh, on our careers. Because you don't, when you're in it, you don't get to see it. Uh, but when we were writing this book, we had to look at it and see where we were going. So I think that's a, a, a wonderful thing that this book did for me. I had uh, suffered a loss of uh, my sister-in-law and then a couple lawyers in town uh, recently died. And basically, I didn't really write it for me. I kind of wrote it just saying, look, if I'm a mess and I'm somehow able to get it all together, have fun and make some money and enjoy my life and practice, there's other people out there doing that same struggle. And maybe they'll identify through some of the silly stories what they can do. You know, um, Jay. All the other guys in this book and girls, women, they're more accomplished in many ways, I think. They're more focused. They have more structure. They're really zeroed in on their business. Um, I'm definitely zeroed in my business, but I I have a number one thing, which is I want to have fun. And so I wrote, like, I feel I'm a sloppy guy. I'm a good lawyer, but I'm kind of sloppy. You know, I, you know, I just am all over the place and I know I need people to structure me and stuff. So I kind of wrote these stories so that maybe people would read them and go, wow, that guy kind of, he gets it. He kind of goes through stuff. He's able to still be successful regardless of his messes. I mean, there's some, that that's what I wrote it for is really not for me. It was really just so that other readers, other people have the struggle, even if they're a first year lawyer or a 20 year lawyer. And what Jay said is really true. Like you start realizing you know, what the book means to you when people who read it start talking to you honestly about it and they'll tell you stuff. And some of it's about what my other co-authors wrote, or maybe sometimes it's about what I wrote. Uh, but it really does strike you when people tell you, you know, that struck a chord with me. Um, I can see why I'm doing what I'm doing now because it's all worth it in the end. So that's why I think it's a cool book, actually. It is definitely a cool book. and. You guys talked about how it was sort of a long process and that you've been working on it for a long time. I'm wondering, were there things that surprised you when it came back from your own words when you saw it in black and white on the print about um, your practice or about your mindset? It, it, it is a great question. And, and I think for me, it gets to the balance chapter. I think that that's, that's probably um, the most, that was probably, you know, to the, to the degree we decided you know, write about things that hurt um, was sort of our, our, our limited directive in, in, in taking on this project. I think the balance chapter for me is, is, is the absolute hardest. I, 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 I struggle with it. It's an ongoing struggle. Um, and, um, uh, you know, and it, it, it takes through some of the, like really painful moments in my life. Um, and I, 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 it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's some of these things where it's like, it was hard to write about and it's hard to reflect upon. Like there are things in life I think you want to, you want to forget. And um, I think, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's some of it as I, at least I know we all try to really write honestly um, and hold mirrors up to ourselves and strip away uh, the pretense. It's not about, you know, look how, look how we became successful. Like that's not the book. It's like, you know, we could almost call the book like, you know, where it's, it's, it's like, you know, we have nothing to, I, I had this REM concert shirt from my first concert I saw them with in Hartford 
1997 with Radiohead, and it says, you know, it's a picture of a bear with Jack Kerouac, and it says, I have nothing to offer anyone except for my own confusion. And I think we injected the book with our own confusion um, and hopefully uh, gave, you know, help people along the way with, with that. That was a great show, wasn't it, Ryan? I was at that show, too. <laughs> I don't know. The Allison was as well. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah it was a great show. So one thing I thought about, which uh, really when I saw my own words were print, was the last, you know, the, where we had to thank someone. And I, um, you know, I'm very close to my mother uh, and not as, I am close to my dad, but not as close to my father. But when I read my words in print about what my dad told me, I realized that was a foundation uh, for almost everything that I want to do in life and what I want to share with other people, which is, you know, don't do stuff for money. You know, do stuff for passion and the money will follow. And, uh, you know, my dad has been uh, a good father, but not the best dad in the world. You know, it was a very difficult time growing up with him. But he gave me the greatest lesson, which is he said, you know, Bill, if you just do something for fun, if you have passion following through with that stuff. You know, the money's going to follow if you and. Uh, when I read it in print, that was I really was very emotional about it because I actually felt very grateful. And it's actually a bigger lesson that, you know, sometimes we have negative perceptions or we have negative experiences with people. And there's always one thing that you can learn from everyone that's a positive. And that's my father's greatest lesson to me. And I hope that I pass it along to my own two boys, actually. So uh, I know that doesn't have much to do with the practice writing of the book, but that was really reading that in print. Uh, I got upset reading it, actually, uh, and very thankful that my dad taught me that. So this question is for each of you. And I, Jay, I know I asked you what your favorite chapter of the book was, but this is for each of you. Now, I want to know what you think the most important chapter is for, for new lawyers. Um, so if you're a new lawyer picking this up today, let's say you graduated law school yesterday, what to each of you is the most important chapter of the book? I can speak on that for me. I, I really think you got to focus on financials. My, my story's in there. Uh, in fact, that was one of the things that when I showed my wife the first draft of, of my chapter, she said to me, do you really want to tell people this story? Because it kind of goes against the, the image that you have in our community. Um, people are going to think that you always had your stuff together because you seem poised and polished and, and you have these systems in your office. And I said, if I developed them because I failed, I developed those things because I wasn't able to accomplish what I should have. I should have had a system for that. Um, and all too often, I see young lawyers who get involved in cases that they shouldn't take because they're taking less money than they should. They're undercutting because they think they need to undercut to get the client. Uh, they, 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 they take in less money. They don't protect themselves and plan for their tax needs and their living expenses. And so I think if, you know, if, if you're only going to read one chapter, uh, read mine about financials and, uh, and know that you got to have your house in order. Otherwise, if you don't have that strong financial, financial foundation, you're going to be building on a, a, a house on, on a foundation of sand. For me, um, the, the chapter is, is vision. Um, I, I, I often think like that has been, aside from balance, like, my, my greatest struggles um, where, where, you know, it's like you do a bunch of work and I think I talk about it in my, in, in my chapter, 
part of it is like we wrote this so long ago. It's like, oh yeah, what did, I have to reread the book because people are talking to me about what I wrote. Um, but it's it's <laughs> like it where it's like it's one of these things where you know not having a vision probably costs me more than anything. Um, and it, you know when when I sort of started to get ahead, where things sort of started to turn around with me was when I sat down with my partner Andrew and we went through the traction book and we did the worksheet. And we're like, where do we want to go? How are we going to get there? What are we? And so often, sometimes even internally, where we're having a, a, a debate about what we're going to do or whatever, you know, I, you know, it's it, I always raise it like, you know, are we having a vision issue? Um, and, and I think that that sort of 30,000 level foot thinking is really scary to do um, because you're, you're you're you know, if you're like me, you're foregoing things. Um, I don't come for much, so it's like if I'm turning down a, you know, a $750, you know, real estate closing or something, like that's, that, that was like a big, big deal to me. Um, but I was in a place where it was like the only way my life was going to change, aside from just scrambling constantly, uh, struggling with money, was to say no, was to go in a direction that was authentically me. Um, so I, I hope that all of our struggles with Vision Connect, and I think that that's the single most important work for uh, anybody starting out to do or anybody struggling with their practice, because it's not like you, uh, in my opinion, it's not like you have a vision and it's cast in stone. It is a fluid thing, and it is it is something that will change over time and something that just needs to be thoughtful, um, but you always need to have one um, as, to, as to where it is that you want to go. So vision is also my most important thing. Um, and I, I, it was until I developed that vision of who I wanted to work with. That means which attorneys I wanted to hire, the type of employee I wanted, how much money I actually wanted to make, uh, the type of reputation I wanted, the type of uh, client representation, what it would look like. All those things are very important. And so I agree with Ryan. And once, if you're a new lawyer, if you take the time you know, you have your financials in order and you're going to launch your firm, but you don't have a vision. You're right. You will make a lot of mistakes. And Ryan is exactly right about that. I, I would add that it's not what's most important. I think those three areas, uh, financials, vision, and there's the chapter basically on launch. If you're a new lawyer, what I would just tell your listeners is, guys, when you're out there and you're thinking about leaving your firm or you're, you're making a plan of action. It's not like you were fired like I was and you're put in a bad position right off the bat to do something. If you have the time, not only should you be creating a vision, but you should really, really focus on a launch because synergistically, if you get a great launch, if you get a great, 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 great push forward, that is like an avalanche. I mean, it moves forward, you know? So... I, I do think, you know, Jay's absolutely right. You got to have good financials and Ryan's right about vision. Brand new lawyer, though, you have to have those two things. And vision is part of your preparation as well as getting your house in order financially. But having the vision, uh, I mean, having the ability to have a launch plan, you got to get every single person in your network ready to go when you're ready to launch that firm so that there's a good chance your phone is going to ring or you're going to get hit online digitally or in social media with cases as soon as you open that door. I think that's what's really important to a new lawyer. 
All right. Well, this is this book is called Tiger Tactics, so I want to get a little bit tactical since I have three great law firm entrepreneurs with us, and I want to read a paragraph that Jay wrote in the chapter about in-person marketing. If you think you can build your entire practice off the back of online advertising, you are wrong. In the end, our business is a people business. And even though people spend hundreds of hours weekly online, we live in an offline world and people want to connect with people. Jay, talk to us about that and then the other guys riff off it if you don't mind. I think it's a great point that we're always trying to do everything digitally, trying to automate everything, but I, I think we're seeing a swing back to more of the human to human connection. Well, I think, you know, one of the great things about digital marketing is that it allows you to get right to the type of person that needs your services. Um, but in the end, you still need to make that personal connection. It's actually uh, going to be, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in my tip of the week coming up. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, we all, at least I can, I, I, I know I can speak for Ryan and for Bill, and I'm not going to speak for all lawyers out there. Um, but when you get into the practice of law, you get in because you want to help people. Help people. I mean, money is a byproduct of, of you know, putting in the effort, going through uh, a, a long lead time to go through law school. It's a, it's a, a byproduct of having artificially reduced competition in the terms of a bar exam uh, and, and a high value placed on legal services in our society. But in reality, you have to have that empathy. You have to be an empathic person and be able to connect with people. I connect with people who've been accused. Ryan connects with people who have been injured because he's suffered through that. Bill connects with both um, and, and has a successful criminal practice and a successful uh, injury practice. And I, I really think that if you spend your time connecting with people, um, that's gonna serve your practice well uh, for, for a long, long time. Um, don't think that everybody is just going to hire you because uh, you're a commodity online. Connect with people and, and let them embrace you uh, and your flaws and your humanity uh, and embrace that in them. And they will then go out and go up further and they'll tell two people and they'll tell 10 people and they'll tell 100 people. And next thing you know, you'll have uh, clients coming in in droves. Jay's absolutely right. There's just a there's also a real issue here with in-person marketing that's really important. Um, I believe I'm an optimist, but I I was a pessimist at one point, and I will tell you that the one reason why you should be really keen on in-person marketing is if you run your firm and you're making a lot of money and you're actually supporting a lot of attorneys and everything, and you're bringing in a lot of business both through your personal networks and your digital networks. Can you imagine one day if Google, as it does every October or July or August, they change their algorithm and you just can't get back on top and things start slowing down and you have still have former client referrals coming in, but you got to kind of slow down your practice and maybe you've made some good financial choices. But let's say you're back to square one again. If you give up the in-person marketing, whether you do it through someone else, if you're running a firm or if you're still practicing, you your own self-book, yourself, your own way of generating cases, that's your survival uh, mode. That's your mechanism. And for all of us who tend to be successful, you know, Jim, Tyson, we're all, there's a lot of guys on Maximum Lawyer and Girls, women out there, they're, they're killing it. But think back, like, business can turn. 
And if you disregard what got you there with in-person marketing, the relationships that you build, that is your way of, if you have to downsize, you still can survive. You still can make money. I mean, my wife and I have such good relationships with people in our community that God forbid we had to shut our doors and 20 to 24 employees had to go away. We don't want that to ever happen. We want to grow and we want to sustain our employment. We love our attorneys. We love our staff. But if we ever had to downsize, I could always fall back. Even at 52 years old, I've got good relationships with people, deep relationships with people, people that might even hire me, people that would rent me an office if it all went bad, people that would give me an office, people that would still refer me cases if I just put my pride down and go, I'm going through a tough time. So I use that as a daily reminder every day. I want to grow. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking to fail. But I'm damn sure going to be hungry to have that in-person relationship with people because if it all goes down, I'll still be good. My wife will still be good. We'll still be able to survive. It is so important. And I'll tell you, millennials crave that connection even more. And that's the market that we're gearing towards with criminal and injured clients now. So, you know, you've got to get out there and you've got to make sure that you'd never forget that, in my opinion. And you started a personal injury practice. That's really hard. In the sense that, you know, there's so many people spending so many millions of dollars per year in every single market in this country. Um, and so to sort of break that um, is, is very hard. So I agree with Jay. We are in a relationships business. And I always look at the online content as sort of the affirmation. So if, if a doctor says, you know, call, call Ryan McKean or uh, another lawyer says, call Ryan McKean, what are they going to do? They're going to Google me. And at least there's something there. There's some there's some positive thing there, or there's some credible website, um, because you're right, th this algorithm can change tomorrow. It can all, it can all go away. Um, you know, Google is a landlord, um, and Google wants to raise the rent, and it's going to be who in any market can pay the most rent is going to get the real estate that matters the most. Um, so what, what I, um, you know, and, and there's a secondary component to that. Everything that Bill said, everything that Jay said, but also I think one of the great like richness in my life is the people I've met, the contacts, the, the community um, that I have and getting to know people, their families, their kids, their struggles, helping them. Um, you know, that that is something that when it's all said and done, it's like I will look back on and just be like, that is one of the greatest accumulations of wealth in my entire life. And I, I encourage anybody out there to go out there um, and, and build it. Let me just say this. You all have done an incredible job on this book. So anyone that's listening or everyone that's listening, get, get a copy of it. It's really great. Um, what I'm going to do for my last question, I, I'm just going to give you one last word on whatever you want to talk about with the book. Um, so what we'll do is we'll go Jay, Bill, then Ryan. Uh, so so basically, last word, I'm going to give it to you all. So Jay, go ahead. Uh, on page 443, I give away my bank account information. You're welcome to Buy a copy of the book, get to page 443, and that will get you access to uh, all my bank accounts. You can take as much money as you'd like. There you go. For your listeners out there and the guys that are in that Maximum Lawyer group, uh, if you, I was very fortunate to have co-authors that uh, we worked really easily together. Um, we felt uh, it was probably the smoothest writing experience I ever had. We all felt accountable to each other. So I would thank them, actually, and I would encourage uh, your listeners and you guys to 
really think about, you know, getting a book together, not only to build credibility, but for getting your own story out there. I think a book is a great idea. Um, and I writing this book made me realize that uh, I'd like to see some of the guys in your group write books so that we can read them and gain knowledge from them, uh, just like we've gained knowledge from Jim and Tyson and all the rest of the people in your group. So I would love to see other uh, lawyers in practice uh, tell their stories. Um, I mean, I, I, I talk about this in the book. I started my practice I, I literally with $2,500. Um, probably about $400 was pocket change that I had put in a fishbowl that I had for when I was a kid. Um, um, and so money was always, always an issue. Um, and so I remember like, you know, a $100 Jay Foonberg book was like out of the question. Um, I did buy it, but it was, a, it was like a hit that month. What we tried to do with this is, I mean, look, we're not, we're, we tried to write the book that we would want to give ourselves if we could go back in time. And, and accordingly, like we're, we priced it, I think the ebook is $9.99 and uh, the, 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 the soft cover book is $19. And those are basically the minimums that Amazon would let us charge for a book of this size. Um, so, you know, um, I, I think, and I think one of the great joys that we've gotten, all of us, we have a Facebook thread where we, you know, we've been posting people's comments as they've reached out to us individually. And it means so much. Um, I think, you know, that means more to me than depositing checks in my bank account or, 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 or things, because it, the notion that we did this to help other people and to contribute to a discussion um, that you guys do so well, and really in your spirit. Um, I, I always tell people, you know, everything that you ever need to know about running a law firm, just listen to Jim and Tyson and their podcast. It's all there. Um, there's no secrets. You can spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars going to seminars and coaches. It's all in those podcasts. And I hope our book sort of, you know, stands with you guys and, and, and helps add to that. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Going to respectfully your time. Before we do, I want to remind everyone, uh, the ones that are listening to this, go to the Facebook group, get involved there. Also, go to iTunes if you don't mind. Give us a five-star review so we can help spread the love, so help, uh, help spread the love about the book, and everyone else Everyone else helps contribute to this podcast. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? All right, so I'm a big believer in reading two books at once. So I'm reading Tiger Tactics while I'm also reading the latest book from Brene Brown, and it's called Dare to Lead. And when Ryan was talking about um, the things that are important to him, a lot of that resonated right out of that book, which I was reading this morning. And Brene Brown talks about how our job as business owners is to create a place where people feel comfortable to take off their armor and be vulnerable. And I think that it's a real message for right now. I think that so many people are in a fighting stance and to sort of just walk away from fights that don't matter to focus on connection is really, really powerful. It's a, it's a great book. Renee Brown, she does really good, uh, writes really good books. I think she's fantastic. So um, that's a good recommendation. All right. So we'll go Jay, Ryan, Bill for your tip or hack of the week. All right. So my uh, tip um really gets back to something that Jim brought up is that, you know, in the end, we're in a people business. Uh, and, and one of the things, you know, we are 13 days away for the, from the end of the first quarter of 2019. I mean, I feel like the year just started, but we're almost a quarter done, right? And so the, all those goals that you had for yourself for the year, 
you got to be 25% of the way there. Otherwise, you're behind the eight ball, right? You're, you're behind where you should be. Uh, one of the things that I really made a concerted effort to do this year is reach out to as many of my, of my former colleagues that I had lost touch with. Uh, so I went out, bought some cheap note cards. Uh, I got 1,500 of them for, un, for around 300 bucks uh, from an online print shop. I just put my logo on them. And I'm trying to send out five to 10 a day. Hey, haven't talked to you in a while. Your name came up or thought about this or remembered that. Uh, people I haven't talked to since law school, people who I used to be referral sources. And I'm just trying to reestablish that I'm here. Uh, and, and, you know, how often do you get uh, note cards, personalized note cards anymore? Um, the only other mail I get is bills, right? Nothing, ever, you know, and I, maybe my aunt Noelle sends me a St. Patrick's Day card with $5 in it. Um, but really, you know, the personal connection is what you need to do. And that's, and that's what I'm suggesting. Uh, find a way. Uh, pick up the phone and make some phone calls. Uh, send some note cards. Just connect with people. We're in a people business. Talk to them. They, 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 everyone's, you know, got Facebook and, and all these digital ways to communicate, but we're losing the human touch. And I'd like to encourage people to get back to that. I'm going to give two. Um, I'm going I'm to, one is, one is super simple. And that's, if you can at all, buy these Bose noise canceling headphones. Uh, we bought them for our office. They are huge increasers of productivity. They cancel out all noise. They're amazing on phone calls. They are comfortable as all heck. I think it's the Bose 350. I, I don't know. They're, 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 they, are, they are super fantastic and probably my favorite bit of technology. We use them in the office. Uh, it, it really helps um, with with work and, and uh, getting getting things done and making phone calls. Um, it's sort of life altering technology for for at least me. Um, and my, my my second my second thing is maybe a little bit more serious. It's you know in the in the book. I mean, I talk a lot about various times where I've suffered from extreme anxiety. Um, times where I have uh, you know you know I, it wasn't drugs or alcohol, but I put on 50 pounds trying to grow my firm. Um, it was sleepless nights. It was anxiety. Um, and my, my, my biggest tip to anybody listening out there is reach out. Um, fortunately, my wife said, you know, I think you should talk to somebody. Um, and at the same time, literally, there was an article in the Law Tribune about a lawyer who committed suicide. Um, and there was a, a therapist who you've had on, Karen uh, Caffrey, on the podcast. And I, I reached out to her. Um, and I think that that has made all the difference. Um, I hope we shared it in our book, but if you're out there and you're listening and you're suffering, you're, you're, you're not alone. Reach out. Great advice. Great advice. Bill, what you got for us? Uh, Ashley, a plug to Jim Hacking. Um, you know, in, in this age of personal connection, uh, it's important to do a lot of videos. I would go through your, if you've been a lawyer for a while, go through all your old videos, look at the ones that didn't work, toss them out, start over again. Uh, look at Jim Hacking's uh, videos day in and day out. Don't do them the way he does them. He's got his own personality. And if you're not good at shooting them, like I'm not, hire a coach to coach you how to do videos. Um, I'm I'm, I got a coach and I would, it's, it's accelerated the process to become better. And um, my goal is to have a, a huge subscription base. Uh, hopefully next year, I'm starting to build that YouTube channel uh, starting next week. But I've been watching Jim Hacking's videos, and that's been really, really good. He, he, he lays it out there, how he does it, how he educates the audience, how he builds a connection, 
uh, it's unbelievable stuff. And um, I sometimes look at it and I want to act like Jim, but I know I can't be like Jim. Uh, but his process of doing those videos regularly and pushing that out there, uh, it's incredible. And we should all be uh, showcasing our personalities to develop relationships with people. And if you're having a problem on video, hire a coach. That's what I did. It's been very, very helpful. All right. So first of all, no plugs for Jim are allowed. So we're going to edit all of that out. Um, and you know, the, 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 the success that Jim has, has is because he leaves his shirt on bill. So that's, that's, that's a big part. So, so maybe you should do all your videos shirtless is, is a key part of it. So well, I'll actually, for, for my, for my tip of the week, it's actually about your book. And so I think at least in the way I consume books, I kind of devour these books, right? I go through them and I read all of them. My advice is to read one chapter and let it sit down and think about it for a couple of days and then move on to the next chapter. Don't just consume all of it because there's there's so much so much good advice in here. I think that if you just try to consume it in a day or two, you're going to miss a lot of the great advice from these attorneys. So my advice is read a chapter, let it sit for a day or two, digest it, think about it, and, and try to live the principles that they talk about and then move on to the next chapter. So that's my tip. Ryan, Bill, Jay, thanks so much for coming on. Unfortunately, we couldn't have your other, let's see, Billy and Teresa on, but uh, you all were, were great. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Jim. See you soon, Bill. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.